Hey guys, Eric Lindine here. I'm the lead pastor of Mosaic Church in Maple Grove, Minnesota. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you, and that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Good evening. Good to see you all. And yeah, we got a bunch of friends online. So Olsons, good to see you. Uh, hopefully you're having fun celebrating Kinsley's birthday today. And Wendy Miner stopped by. And uh, Melissa Morgan's on there. And the Lamsels hanging out, I think, at the cabin. So that's fun. You guys can connect uh, online with us tonight. But we're glad to see just all of you as well. We are in this series, As It Is in Heaven. Jesus told us to pray, you know, for our city, for our state, uh, for those around us, that we want this to be in Maple Grove, in Dayton, in Osseo, in Champlin, as it is in heaven. That's our, that's our desire, that's our hopes, that we can be bringers of the kingdom of God. Amen? That's what we want. That's what this series is all about. Well, yesterday, I had the fun privilege of teaching my son how to ride a bicycle without train wheels. Yes, my 13-year-old son, Joshua, finally graduated. No, totally kidding, totally kidding. Uh, my son, Andrew, has just been putting it off. Part of it is when his big brother, Joshua, was eight years old, Joshua fell off his bike and broke his arm. So Andrew's just been very nervous about the same thing happening to him. So yesterday morning, Chris and I went on a walk with Andrew, and he wanted to go on, it, on his bike with the training wheels on. And it was, it was a little rough, and, you know, it's wobbling back and forth. And long story short, I was like, this is it. This is the day. We're taking off the training wheels. I flipped his bike over, took off the training wheels. And, and he did not want to do it. He was like, no, it ran inside. Kristen talked to him, and I just was like, buddy, this is the way it is. And I may have laid the ultimatum, no video games until you learn how to do this. So that was a good motivator. But I think he really wanted to learn how to do it. He was just a little scared, just a little uncertain, and he'd seen some things that made him think, I don't know. And so we got it, and, but I was like, I'm gonna try a little differently. This is the third kid now helping learn how to ride a bike. And I was like, it really is about balance. So I had him like stand on one foot first, try to push him over, like feel the balance in your body. Then the other foot, just balance on the bike, you know, feel what this is like in your body. And then, you know, having to talk him through, like, because he loves his scooter. Like, okay, you have to get some forward momentum, like you're on your scooter, right? You need, I'm going to provide some momentum first, but then you have to give your own momentum. And you got to, you know, start your foot up here on the pedal and push down hard, go forward. And pretty quickly, he got it, and now he loves riding his bike, just in 24 hours, up and down, up and down, and, and just really thriving at this. And it was just so cool, as a father, to see my son take this step of faith and do this thing. And I was thinking about that, and like, man, how often is it that we want to do something, we feel called to something, but we're a little nervous, a little scared, maybe we've seen someone else go through some pain, and it's like, man, I don't know if I want to do that. Like, I know I want to do it, but I don't know if I want to do it. You know what I mean? And that's where Andrew is at. And I think a lot of us have been there, but you need someone who's going to hold the back of your shirt, make sure you don't fall, also give you a little push to keep you going when you need that momentum, and, and then just you know, say, hey, no, better things are yet to come. Are we okay back there? Okay, just making sure. <laughs> uh, and so um, I'll say about that, like, number one, that's the way it is with God in our lives. That there are times we need someone to give us that little bit of push 
to, to move forward into what God is calling us into. And, and, and that's the Holy Spirit in our lives. Saying, no, step into that thing that might be a little scary. And I think, too, that's, that's the function of pastors in your life, church leaders in your life, your small group leaders, helping you say, hey, we're walking alongside you. We're saying, hey, you want to step into this thing, whether that's, you know, a new business venture or, you know, a personal goal or a spiritual goal, start reading your Bible, start praying with your kids, whatever that thing is in your lives. I think also a calling on us as leaders is to be like that, like I was with Andrew. I'm saying, hey, let me teach you about this face-to-face. You know, you can't just watch a YouTube video on how to learn to ride a bike and then do it, right? You need someone there with you. And I think, too, that's what it's like here. Like, we're doing life together. It's saying, hey, let me help you out. And we all have different areas of strengths and weaknesses, but it's coming alongside giving that push when we need it. And so what does it mean the best is yet to come? That's kind of the phrase of today. Well, I'm going to dive into that in just a minute. But we're in the series, like I said, um, as it is in heaven. This is really our five purposes as a church. So bear with me a little bit because this is kind of a review. But again, I think it's just helpful sometimes to lay a groundwork so we all have common language and common understanding. If you search the New Testament scriptures, there really are five main kind of purposes, things that every church should have as foundational things in their church. Now, every church brands them differently, uh, and so you might have the five Gs, right? I worked at a church where it's like grace, growth, groups, giving, good stewardship, I think. Well, I had to figure out what it was, right? Or, you know, it's like all begins with E. It's like equipping, empowering, evangelizing. I don't know, right? Like the, but the five purposes are, are universal. These are the things that all churches, healthy churches, do, and, and, and how we live them out might be a little differently, so it's just kind of good for us to understand this. When we're looking at our church and we're planning every single event, we want to look through the lens and say, what is the primary purpose of this event? And, and just getting together, having fun is not one of those five purposes. And so we look through these and then so in our context, instead of just having these five words, we have kind of five phrases that we say a lot as a church because I think that gives a little bit of Understanding. So, so the first one we talked about was Jesus changes everything. That's our value of evangelism. Again, we're told to go make disciples, talk to people about Christ, share your faith. Now, we're all called to do that in different ways. Chris and I went to the state fair a couple times this week, and it was fun. But each time at night, there were some people standing there with bullhorns, talking about how we're all sinners and going to hell and having signs that I don't think are appropriate for people to hold up. You know what? They're doing what they feel like God's called them to do to evangelize. Do I think it's the best way? No. But we are all called to evangelize. That if we believe Jesus changes everything, that should change how we live, right? We should tell people about the hope that we have. And we might go about that differently. So how that might look, right? We might do some certain events as a church where it's like the primary purpose is to introduce people to Jesus, as a, as a youth ministry, we're kicking off on September 10th, uh, our fall kickoff for our Mosaic youth. What we're going to do is, hey, we're telling our students, hey, bring a friend, and then you and your friend both get into a drawing for a Nintendo Switch Lite. Because what we want is our students to have some incentives, right? We want to teach them the purpose of inviting their friends, ideally unsaved friends, but you know, whatever, but just some friends to come 
and then we can introduce them to Jesus, right? Then we might do a different event and has a different purpose, like our second purpose, which is discipleship. This is growing in your faith. We say this this way, everyone has a next step. We never arrive. We never fully graduate. I worked with a pastor in Colorado, and before that, he worked at a church in Las Vegas. And in Las Vegas, they had this discipleship program, and when you graduate, you got a certificate that said, now you are a fully devoted follower of Christ. You can hang that on your wall. And I just thought that was so funny that you could graduate and it's like, you're done. It's like, no more growth for you, right? It's like, no, like we all have a next step. No matter how long you've been walking with Christ, there's always that next step that we can take. And so this is our value of discipleship. Right now, one of our primary ways we disciple is through the green book. And again, this is the last two years. This is one of the tools. We sit face to face, go through a book, ask some questions, and because and, we believe disciples are not mass-produced, they're handcrafted. And so we have to have some kind of strategy on how we help people grow in their faith in Jesus. That's deception. The third one is community. We say it this way, everybody needs somebody. Everybody needs somebody to talk to, right? That's right. And so this is what our community groups are primarily about. It, it's not just surface level, hey, how's it going? It's the community to say, hey, I'm struggling right now. Hey, my marriage could be a lot better. I don't know what to do in, in my parenting because this is a whole new phase for me. It's getting real in, in a different way. That, and so everybody needs somebody. So we say, if a community group doesn't work for you, try to jump into one of our Bible studies. If that doesn't work, then try to have somebody in your life that on a regular basis you're taking walks with, you're meeting for coffee, whatever that is, that you're sharing your heart with, that you know they would pick up if you called at 3 a.m. If right now you're like, I don't know who I would call if my spouse had a heart attack, you know, at 3 a.m., like, who am I going to call? Have that person in your life. That if you were moving, you know, you know it's like, well, we don't want to help each other move once we're in our 40s, right? But still, it's like they'd be on the other end of that couch, like, helping you move something. Like, that's, that, that's the kind of community we want. Then last week, uh, Pastor Aaron talked about this value that hey, we're here for good. We want to have a fully surrendered life to outreach to others. This is why we did like Taco Tuesday at Mobile Hope Community Center. And, and, and we partner with them in the Maple Hills Estates uh, trailer park. We do different things to reach out to our community. This is why we support missionaries in Thailand uh, and church planners in, in northern Minnesota. And in the past, we've supported church planners in Africa and, and Germany part of our values outreach. Every, every church should be about this. And then the fifth one we're talking about tonight is worship. So every church should have as one of its primary purposes is, is worship. So Eric, what's the connection between the best is yet to come and worship? Well, that's what I want to dive into tonight because on first glance it can kind of seem like they're disconnected, but let's get into that. As we talk about worship, I, 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 I want to share one verse I think is so good, and um, I have this verse memorized. I don't want to brag too much, and that's why I'm a pastor, but this, this, is, this is a great verse, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life, right? Eternal life? Yeah, good. But right, this is one of our foundational verses, right? For God so loved us. Again, it's, it's probably the most well-known verse. We've all heard it. We've seen Tim Tebow underneath his eyes, right? 
But what I want to know is we're not just loved, we are so loved. Like just grapple with that. You are so loved. Not because of anything you do, not because of who your parents are, anything you've produced, but simply because you are God's child. Like when I'm with my kids, it, it doesn't, I don't love them anymore by what they do, right? God looks at us with perfect love. And because God looks at us, we're so loved, we can be changed and transformed. That we can step into worship. We can believe the best is yet to come because God loves us. We, we know the future is secure for us. Uh, the Apostle Paul writes it this way in 1 Corinthians 2.9. This is what the scriptures mean when they say, and he's quoting Isaiah here, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has promised for those who love him. That God has good things in store for us. He's going to grow us into his likeness, and, and we can know the best yet to come. Now, here is the very, very important caveat. We know God will heal every sickness, every infirmity, but sometimes, and oftentimes, that healing doesn't come this side of death. That God will give a family for everyone. That may not happen this side of eternity. But believing the best is yet to come is saying, hey, we know how the story ends. God wins. Heaven comes to earth. There's a new Jerusalem. Its gates are always open. There's a new transformed earth. Everything we love about earth becomes transformed and new. And, 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 and we're invited into rule and reign with Christ forever. Every tear will be wiped away. Theologians think somehow this grace will work backwards through time. And I don't understand it. But we can live in the certainty, hey, the best is yet to come. While knowing we still have pain and uncertainty and heartache and there's infertility and there's singleness and, and then there's death and there's grief and the, all these things, it doesn't mean our life is always up and to the right, but we have that picture of God's wins. Satan is cast away forever. Death is no more. Heaven comes to earth. King Jesus comes back. We rule and reign with him on this beautiful earth. That's our future. So when we say the best is yet to come, that's what we're looking at. It doesn't mean, again, that life is always going to be hunky-dory, great, up and to the right. Because what I preach here in suburban Minnesota, Maple Grove, like, if that's not good news, for every, every believer everywhere. Like, I'm not preaching the gospel. So yeah, like, yeah, you may get better cars and houses and promotions and everything. Like, maybe that'll be a suburban life. But for a lot of believers around the world, the best yet to come really is the hope of heaven. And I think sometimes in our suburban culture, we lose sight of heaven and the beauty of it and, and our longing for home because we're so comfortable here. But I think if we can capture a little bit more of a global perspective of our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world and know, hey, they long for heaven, they long for King Jesus to come back and say, okay, 
Let's, let's remember that. Let's remember there are, there's pain and suffering here. Let's point people to Jesus. Let's build his kingdom here as it is you know, in heaven here on earth, knowing, though, there'll never be a full fulfillment of that on this side of heaven. But knowing our future, knowing King Jesus, knowing he's coming back, knowing heaven is our home, we, we should, that should change how we worship. We know Christ is king. So when I talk about worship, I hope you don't just think music. Music can be part of worship, but I think too often too, times it's just become an adjective for a certain kind of music, right? It's like lots of delays and reverbs, and it's a certain kind of chord progressions. There's a whole worship industry. You go on YouTube, which I've been doing this week a lot. You can, you can watch like, you know, worship you know, pedal boards, and there's worship guitars and worship amps, right? Like all this thing is the whole cottage industry, like uh, the whole worship thing keeps alive a lot of, of uh, music instruments and companies right now. So you can say, oh, worship must be just music. No, it can be a vehicle. Worship is responding to the greatness and the glory of God. Worship is seeing King Jesus of giving him his proper due. That's what worship is. Worship can be preaching. If your heart is moved towards Jesus and you think, I love Jesus, he's so great, like that's worship. When you're serving alongside someone and you, and you just feel an outpouring of like, this is so good, I, I, I'm investing in someone or I'm, I'm doing discipleship and, and God is here in this moment and this is a holy thing, that's worship. It's not just the music time. And in here, though, it might get a little loud. It's not just loud for loud's sake. It's because we're passionate about King Jesus. Amen? It's like, well, let's be loud for him. I know we're Minnesotans. But, but like, I do believe, though, there, there's more for us in this. I've been talking with Kristen about my message a lot this week because I've been really wrestling, to be honest. Like, 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 how do I talk about this purpose, this value of worship? On one hand, like, we've heard probably sermons on this. We, we worship every week. We, we do these things. So, like, how do I communicate this? Like, like, how do I take us where we are and into the deeper things of God? And, like, growing up charismatic, right? Like, that was a very different experience than, than even our church today. Like, right, before service, people are stretching. They're getting their, you know, like, because they're, they're taking their worship seriously, right? Bring some tambourines, some banners, some swords, if that happened today, I know some of you would be like, I'm out. Like, right? If a shofar shows up, I'm gone. But they're passionate. So it's like, I understand, right? Like, I'm not going to try to turn our church into something we're not. Like, as a pastor, you have to love the church you have, not the church you want or in your head. This is who we are. Like, we're pretty laid back, just chill. That's who we are. And I love that. But could we be a little bit more passionate? Could be a little bit more dialed in, a little bit more focused, a little bit just out of our comfort zones because the best is yet to come, because of King Jesus, he's coming back, because our hope is in heaven. One of the Greek words we translate as worship is proskuneo, proskuneo, which translates as to kiss towards. I think about my daughter Mariah. Mariah's five, and Mariah just so many times, we're just at home, uh, hanging out in church, and she just comes up to me, and she just gives me the sweetest hugs and just little kisses, like, all the time. And I, I try to soak it up because this is my second daughter now, and I know, like, Becca doesn't do that like she used to. Like, I love my, my dear almost 11-year-old going on 16, but she doesn't give me as many kisses as Mariah does, right? Like, just unprovoked kisses, just out of nowhere. And I think... That's such a good picture of worship, of Jesus being there. And, 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 and it's just like 
crawling into his lap, like giving him an unprovoked kiss. Just, just think of like that, that kindergartner, like, and, and she kisses me because she loves me. And I, don't, I, I never told her, hey, Mariah, if you love your daddy, like you're gonna give me kisses, right? She just does that naturally out of an overflow because she loves her dad. And again, that's, that's the idea of worship. Now, I know some of you guys in particular and some of you ladies are like, there's no way I'm doing that. I'm not kissing towards Jesus, right? Like, I'm a man's man. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing that. Like, I'm not gonna show emotion. Like, Eric, you're the crying pastor. You're, you're a musician. Like, get that, right? But like, let's look at a true man's man in the Bible, like David, right? Like, he punched a bear in the face, like, to get a lamb, right? Like, he conquered the city of Jerusalem so much so that it was called the city of David forever after that. Like, here's a guy who, like, was as manly as it comes, and, and he was someone who said, hey, I'm going to be even more undignified than this. Like, I'm going to go all out. And David was that kind of guy. Well, let's just look at a couple of passages. Even. How does David tell us to worship? Psalm 134, verse 1 and 2. The Bible tells us to raise our hands to God and worship. David says it this way, Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Right there, standing by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. All right, why does God command us to lift up our hands? Well, a couple things. I think whenever we do something with our bodies, it, it communicates and becomes all that much more real what's going on on the inside of us. We're getting our whole bodies involved. Uh, you know, number one, like, you go to a sporting event, right? What do we naturally do? Like, when something good happens on, on, on a baseball team or a football team, like, our hands instantly go, yeah, that's so exciting, right? That's just naturally what we do. Or, like, you think of, you know, uh, someone and the police show up, right? What's the natural response? Like, those hands go up. It's surrender. Or, like, when Mariah, she wants to get picked up because she hurt her leg or something, right? right? Those hands go up. It's like, Daddy, pick me up. So, for us... It might be just celebration, like, yes, there's joy in the house of the Lord. My hands are up. I'm excited. Or it might be like, God, I am struggling, and I just need to surrender this right now. My hands are up. Like, I'm, it's a sign of surrender. Or like, you're, you're hurting. You're struggling. You're like, man, I need my heavenly Father to pick me up. It's like, Jesus, pick me up right now. Like, I need you. Like, this isn't just like a Pentecostal charismatic thing. This is God's people been doing this for thousands of years. And I want to encourage you, if you've never lifted your hands in worship, to try it. Like, no one cares about your deodorant or anything else like that. I promise you, right? Just lift those hands. Because, again, I think it's going to help your worship and your response to God be that much more. When we're just like this, like, we're so, like, limited in this box. you got to get out of that and, like, be like, man, Jesus, I love you. Like, I'm surrendering to you. Pick me up. Like, I'm excited about who you are. Let's get, our, let's get our bodies involved. David tells us to sing, Psalm 95. It says, oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise for those who aren't good singers to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. You might be like, why do we spend time singing? Well, the Bible commands us to do this. So I just want to encourage you, to the best of your ability, make a joyful noise. Even if you're not a great singer, just sing loudly. Again, it, 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 it's something where we get involved. Like, like, right, sport events know this. Like, the world over in soccer matches, football matches, right? Like, they, they sing together. There's something unifying about that. 
even on a sub-molecular level, like when we sing, our voices start to vibrate at the same frequency. There's more unity in that. Like it's a really cool thing. So sing to him. David also says to bow down and kneel. Later in Psalm 95, he says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. There might be times that you're in worship and you hear a song or a prayer or maybe a communion time, and you're so overcome with who God is. They're like, my only response is to get down on my knees. It's in surrender. It's like, I'm feeling the full weight and majesty of my king. My only response is to hit my knees. Because God is so great. God is so wonderful. He's so amazing. And again, it's so easy for us as Minnesotans to be like, oh, I don't want to do that. Like, people might think I'm weird. But I don't encourage you. Like, get out of your comfort zone. Like, get on your knees. And, and if, if it feels too like, freaky to do that here, then start at home. You know, Start in prayer, put some worship music on, whatever it might be, hit your knees and just in surrender to him. Again, I'm not saying we have to be like some kind of church we're not. But what I want to see, as I was telling Kristen this week, like she's like trying to help me boil it down. Like, like what's your hopes for our church when it comes to worship and this purpose? It's like, I want to see People walk in these doors and encountering a congregation that loves Jesus so much that they can tell we're passionate, that they sense the Holy Spirit, that even before me or anyone else gets up here to preach, that chains are being broken, that the Holy Spirit is working, that they say God is in this place. That's my heart. My heart's desire is lives are changed. And I think it's less likely that happens the more stoic and casual we take this time of gathering together and responding to the greatness and the glory of God. And again, I get it. We got stuff going on and there's all these things in our hearts and our minds, but can we take where we're at and just take our worship a little more seriously and see what God does in our community as we raise our hands, as we sing, as we make a joyful noise, as we come into his presence, as we bow. I think also one of the ways we worship and we respond to God is when we help bring in more worshipers when we help God's kingdom grow, as we help build his church. And so this fall, we've been talking about it, like this is the chance where we really are like saying, hey, we're, we're kicking off kind of this new chapter. We've kind of done what we said, kind of a soft launch as we move from a Sunday morning church, which was seven and a half years, to now basically a half a year of an afternoon evening church. But if we say, no, hey, we believe there are people in our community who are struggling, who, who, whose marriage is struggling, that they have issues, and we believe that Jesus can change their lives. Why would we not want them to know the good news of Christ? And so, so we don't want to be content. We say, we want to reach people far from God. 
We, we want to reach those people who are move into this area from other cities and their job brings them here because uh, the Twin Cities, a lot of times people come in, different jobs here, and they're disconnected and they're looking for friendships. And Minnesota can be a hard place if you're new here because people have their circles and say, hey, no, no, you can find a friend here. You can find community here. You don't have to pretend you have it all together. We have some people who are going to help you walk through the tough things of life. Then what are we going to do to help bring in more worshipers into God's church. Well, again, this is kind of just like nuts and bolts, more kind of who is a church, but here's kind of, again, as I view it this fall, of just kind of saying, hey, here's some possible growth engines for our church. So how are we going to respond to this? Number one, we talked about this like with Mosaic Youth. We're going all in on this and saying, yeah, we want to reach teenagers here in this area, six o'clock here in this place. Because there are teenagers that are hurting and broken. There's so many kids from broken families who uh, see substance abuse in their homes, issues of gender and sexuality and all these things. And, and yeah, there's lots of great youth groups. Most of them meet on Wednesday nights, to be honest. We have a Sunday night youth group. We have, we have an opportunity to reach students who are busy on Wednesday nights and say, hey, come here. Whether or not this is your home church, we want this to be a place where you can be known, that you can know others, that you can grow. So if you know a teenager, like, invite them to come into this. Again, we're going to do the big kickoff next, next Sunday. And, and if you have a heart for student ministry, come talk to me. Like, we really, we want to reach the teenagers in our city. We're going to figure that out. And we, we think this is the way we can bring more worshipers into our church. Our Monday night men's group. Like, why do we do this, Eric? Like, why, Eric, do you give up every Monday night, you know, during the football season for this? Is it just because you like football? I, I enjoy football. It's not my favorite thing in the world. But you know what I do love is seeing guys who aren't connected in any other way come on a Monday night, and people are excited to see them, and they have friendships, and conversations happen, and then deeper connections are built through that. This is also one of the easiest things you can invite someone to. Hey, do you want to come watch football with us? Not at our church, at Buffalo Wild Wings at 710. Order some wings and a beer. And meet my pastor if you want. And we're just going to hang out. Also, we're doing a fantasy football league, which we need one more person by 6 o'clock. So one of you guys needs to <laughs> join that. But, but seriously, like, hey, this is an easy way you know someone, right? It, easy invitation to come in and say, hey, just get to know some people, right? Into the church. We have this Wednesday morning new moms group that, that Amber's going to be doing on Wednesday mornings, uh, about 9 a.m. to 11-ish. Uh, and, and that's born out of, we have some stay-at-home moms. And it's like, hey, how can we find community? How can we find discipleship? Just encouragement, growth. Like, do you know someone who's in that season and feeling alone? Because you can feel very lonely and overwhelmed as a mom. And, and but maybe even if your kids are in, in, in school now, it's like, no, hey, come to this. Find some community. We're going to have childcare every week. We're, we're going to pay for that as a church to say, hey, yes, we want to provide an opportunity for you. This is a great chance to bring someone in. Way easier invitation. Hey, come, come, come to this than even at Sunday night church. One of the things we're, we're talking about is doing like a once a month night of worship, like maybe on a Friday night here, where, again, it's just an opportunity just to have some, some worship, to come in, easy invitation, bring some people in who, who you know, might normally, it's like, I don't know, but oh, this is a different opportunity. 
And then we've been talking through, you know, like well, once a month, like a Saturday morning, different kind of leadership development opportunities, just in different areas uh, of just, you know, again, how we're reaching our community. And we're going to do this stuff like Facebook marketing and mailers, all that. Yeah, sure. But the reality is, like, churches grow most through personal invitations. We want to see God's kingdom built. We want to bring more worshipers into his, his kingdom. Like, it's really going to happen to the people in this room. It's, it's our personal invites. My personal prayer, and I hope you join me in this, I'm praying for five new families or five new couples, 10 adults to join our church this fall. Again, maybe that's, that's through a Monday night or one of our community groups. Hey, come get involved. Like, we want people to be known, not to sit in the back row uh, of some big church where no one knows them, where people are excited to see you. Uh, I believe you know, you, your pastor should know you by name, that you've been in your pastor's home. Like, that's, that's what I believe the, the relationship between shepherd and flock is, that you shouldn't just see him on TV, but, you know, that, that's me. But we, we want people to come into this church, and we, we want to experience life change. Here's the question I want you to ask yourself. At the end of your life, what would you like people to line up and thank you for? How could their life be different because you invited them into your church, into your community group, into a Monday night men's group, a Wednesday morning mom's group? Hey, thank you for that. Um, I, I don't get to watch like, my own TV shows very often. So there's a TV show I've been watching, and I can't wholeheartedly endorse it, so I will tell you what I'm watching. Um, uh, it's called 1883. Anyone else seen this show? It's like the prequel to the prequel of Yellowstone. I don't know. Um, but it's really, really well made. Uh, it's like old Western, like right after the Civil War. And, and there's a group of immigrants moving from like kind of the East Coast through Texas, and they're going up to Oregon. And, and it's these people escaping religious persecution and just in, in Germany. They hardly speak the language. They don't know what they're doing. And, and people are honestly are dying left and right, like on, on this kind of on the Oregon Trail, right? And one of the guys is talking to one of the other ones and like, like, why, why are we doing this? Like, these people have no chance. Like, let's give up. And, and the guy, he's, actually, he's a black guy, clearly had fought in the Civil War inside the North, you know, and he's like, why am I doing this? He's like, because I have hope that maybe one of their kids will have kids who have kids, who have kids, and that kid does something. It was just this, this, little, this little statement. But I thought about that, like, we don't know the generations that will be impacted because we invest in one other couple, one other family, or you invest in a relationship, you know, pouring into middle school boys or middle school girls on Sunday nights after church. And then that kid grows up raising kids who love Jesus and their kids grow up. And who knows how that ripples out? But we believe the best is yet to come, right? Because Jesus is king, he's coming back someday, our hope is in heaven, 
And so we should have this optimistic outlook of like, you know what? We don't know the seeds we're planting now, the generations that could be changed for decades. I, I think about just in the past year, how our church has been able to welcome Eric and Emily and Tallis and Stephanie and Adam and Callie and, and Tom and, and, and Kelly and Jack and, and so many others and how our church has been changed by that. And I've heard stories that their lives have been changed and touched because they have community, they have friendship, they have a church home. None of that would have happened if we'd given up two years ago. And who are the next Eric and Emily's and Tallis and Stephanie's and Jack and the Weavers and all those people? We don't know. You know, as we invest, as we pour into the baby Hazels and Dylans and all the kids in our church, what those kids will grow up to be. And as they have friendships together, as they grow up in the church together, I do know that we have an enemy and he hates it when the church comes together to worship. That our enemy hates it when we gather and share a meal. That he hates it when we serve back in kids' ministry, investing in kids. When we give up time to pour into teenagers and say, hey, this isn't about me. This isn't about what I want to do. It's about making sure that sixth grader has a great experience and I'm discipling them. Let's not be afraid of our enemy, but we can acknowledge, hey, he doesn't like that. So we have to be intentional. We, we have to say, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to invest in this community, in, in these people, in these kids, in these teenagers, because there's so much power of God's people coming together as a church body, amen? And we can do that, we can worship, we can respond to the greatness and glory of God because the best is yet to come, Amen? Well, let's pray, and I'm so excited that the best is yet to come because we're going to have some good food, uh, including some brisket made by Brent. Like, come on now. Like, man, that is good. Uh, let's pray. God, we thank you that you are here in this place. God, that you love us. Um, you desire a relationship with us. And God, that we can trust the best is yet to come. We may not see all that, this side of eternity, but we know where we're going. We know you're coming back. We know that you are king and that you win in the end. So even though our enemy doesn't like it when we gather and worship and, and we disciple and we evangelize, it doesn't matter because you are our king. Thank you, God, for this chance to come together and please, please break this heat because we're tired of it. In your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to write the band to come up here and do one more closing song. Uh, I love the words in this song. Uh, it really is just singing what we just talked about, that the best is yet to come uh, because of who Jesus is, um, that our hope can be secured. My hope is that when you hear that phrase tossed around, you don't just think of it as this flippant thing anymore. Oh, yeah, the best is yet to come, oh, right? You think heaven. You think King Jesus. You think the ultimate fulfillment and healing of everything we've gone through, every tear wiped away. That's our vision. That's our hope. Um, so let's sing uh, one last song, and then we'll eat together. 
thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Maple Grove podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Mosaic Maple Grove. Your generosity allows this message to go out into the world. You can be a part of the Mosaic Tribe by going to mymosaicchurch.com. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thanks again for listening. Grace and peace, my friends.